morning, everybody. I'm Charlie Fink. I'm here with Ted Shilowitz. It's January 28th, 2022, and it's This Week in XR, brought to you by Verbella. Good morning, Ted. Morning, Charlie. How was your week? Um, well, it's uh, ending well since I remembered to plug our sponsor, Verbella. That's right. Um, I, and you see I'm wearing my throwback sweatshirt. Yeah, we were just chatting about that before we started recording and, and thinking about the the evolution of all the pieces and parts that we've been in and what a big deal that was. Those guys, Cosmo and Johnny and those cats sort of putting that together and, and really becoming... 2017 were really big shows. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they really set the stage for something that is now you know, moving forward in different ways. It's interesting to see how things evolve and change and what was important for a period of time. And, and well, that, was a, that was a big part of our lives. When, when any medium sort of breaks, the way the internet did, the way mobile did, a lot of conferences spring up. Yes. Because a lot of people are asking the question, what's going on? Yeah. So for example, in 16, 17, 18, I mean, how many shows that we did, did we do that was sort of, this is VR, this is AR, this mm -hmm. is mobile AR. People, you know, people didn't know those words. They didn't know how to talk about this new medium. And even though there was emerging interest, like the metaverse today, there's broad misunderstanding. I would also apply that to crypto. Um, Scott Galloway, everybody's favorite professor, took down the Web3 crowd last week. I included that in the newsletter because he deliciously asked the question that we were pondering recently was, what the heck is up with virtual right. land sales for millions of dollars? Right. Yeah, we were postulating. Well, it's, I mean, it's interesting that, that you mentioned all these sort of pop points and, you know, it's kind of what we refer to as bubble points, because I remember back in the days when there was a moment around streaming media of all forms and like 12 different streaming media conferences popped up, right? The minute we realized we could move video over the web when largely it was like, you know, 320 by 160 at six frames a second. And, but that was you know, there was foresight, right? People understood where this was going. And then VR, people understood where this was going and it's finding a maturity phase. And now people are starting to grapple with trying to understand where all things related to this word called the metaverse are going. And therefore you're seeing a lot of, you know, media dynamics around, let's do a conference around it. Let's market it because people are going to join in those conferences, pay for those conferences. So it's a, it's a natural sort of attrition of the, of the media forms, I think, which is interesting. So um, interesting acquisition this week, Epic Games buys Harmonix. For those of you uh, who are not in the know, Harmonix makes legendary video game Rock Band. Rock Band. Yes, back, exactly. Back in the aughts was making um, hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, Rock Band and Guitar Hero were very much yeah. like- Is, is Rock Band still a thing? Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's quite as much of a thing as it used to be, but I think it is still a thing. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, and, and remember, they did a rock band VR uh, experience where you could get up on stage and, and perform. Yeah. Uh, and that was kind of fun. It was a good there's another was one. There's another one of those for air guitar on the quest. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So, there, you know, there's all kinds of pieces and parts of this that are interesting. So it's not unusual for a big publisher like Epic Games to acquire uh, a title or a studio. Uh, although there has been a lot of speculation around how Rock Band might function inside of Fortnite, since uh, they right. seem to be building that franchise out in different directions. What's your take there? Well, and I think like if if you look at what what happened last week with the Blizzard Activision activation, which I think we all are presuming will go exactly. through, but yeah. you know nobody knows for sure. You know, giant seventy five billion dollar purchase by Microsoft. 
these these tech giants, tech platforms, of which we could argue Epic is a tech giant at this point, maybe not to the scale of Microsoft, but they need to round out their offerings, right? So it becomes sort of like a studio play where in the traditional media world, like where I work for Viacom CBS, you add things to your arsenal, right? And Disney's done it, Warner's done it, um, Universal's done it. The, the gaming and interactive studios need to add things to their arsenal to keep growing and, and maintain audiences and build communities. So I think that's kind of why they see it as valuable. So here's, here's a new one. Uh, Winklevoss Capital leads a $7.5 <laughs> million round for an, the AI company that made the Tom Cruise deep fake. And we think everybody knows the whole backstory of the Winklevoss twins and the, the whole- Oh you know, my big, God. Big well, the Winklevoss twins um, claimed that Zuckerberg stole his idea, their idea for Facebook. Yeah. And yeah. in a way he did, but not really as these things go when they're just ideas and people are talking shit. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, in the end, when Facebook was super valuable, they're like, we're just going to give these guys $100 million to go away. Right. And the Winklevoss twins, who were very wealthy, and by the way, were Olympic rowers of Wall Street, right. um, took the $100 million and bought Bitcoin. Yes. Um, and they have been, they have built a, a uh, investment. This was $100 million of Bitcoin in 2009. Mm -hmm. So now they are billionaires. And they have a venture fund. They've funded a number of legit companies. They like XR. They like the metaverse. So these are not dumb guys by any means, although they were parodied terrifically in the Facebook movie. Yeah, and the social network, absolutely. Yeah, the yeah. social network. Yeah. But uh, anyway, they appear to be very smart investors. And the AI behind the Tom Cruise deepfake certainly was amazing. It's from a company called Metaphysic. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Go ahead. No, they're, they, they are certainly very forward-thinking investors, and they are deeply invested in things like the crypto space overall, um, you know, the, the, what, what cybersecurity stuff is doing, and, and things like, like deep, faces, deep Fake is an interesting kind of offshoot of that, that, that has all kinds of ethical challenges and dynamics, obviously, um, but it is a ripe area for investment because it's an important part of where things are are headed with, with synthetic humans, right? Well, there, and, and there, there are several huge applications of AI in inside of uh, different XR applications. For example, smart glasses need to be super smart. Yes. Um, so if you could dual compute and draft off of uh, technology like this, uh, you know, it would, it would give you a lot more abilities and semantic understanding of the world. Um, you know, understand your patterns and your actions so that it could anticipate where you want to go and what you want to do and all that. So apparently Facebook is building, or Meta is building a supercomputer to address just this same thing. And that was in the news yes. this week also. So I thought it was- Yeah, I was reading about that as well. That's, a, that's an interesting, what, what's your take on that? Because I, I think that's, you know, more power and- That they're never going to get the AI on smart glasses to make the smart glasses smart. They're, they're going to- mm -hmm to offload it onto the cloud. And, and I think that they're seeing that even if that doesn't turn out exactly as they think, this is an awful lot of uh, computing power that you can lease. Right. Maybe, they're, maybe they're gonna use it for their own network the way Google has. Maybe they're gonna, they've got a cloud play. Right. Why, sh why and, shouldn't they? And it certainly 
behooves the the 5G providers to get excited about something that actually can be a massively practical use case for when we have to lighten the device here, we park the the compute power elsewhere, uh, and then you know we essentially pixel stream it in. So um, that's that that bodes well, I think, for uh, the mobile carriers that are trying to figure out use cases, right? For so getting back to the deep fakes, uh, one of the things that they said they want to do is they want to endow the metaverse with AI. <laughs> and you know that could mean a lot of different things. I immediately went to NPCs with uncanny intelligence. Mm -hmm. yep. but if you're playing Grand Theft Auto and all of a sudden the NPCs start fighting back or have dialogue or you know have some semantic understanding of what's going on and what you're doing. Right. Well, and, you know, as, as we always like to say, media leads the way. So for anybody that's watched and enjoyed the movie Free Guy that came out last year, it's a pretty good uh, telling future of where that concept of uh, as you create NPCs, uh, you know, non-player characters for those that are not gamers, um, that live and exist in a world and we're largely just kind of pawns for many generations of gaming start to get smarter and feel more real. And eventually you start to crack that code where you know, you're know you really playing with them and against them. And you start to not know, is that a real person or a computer generated object that uh, is actually an active dynamic part of the game? Uh, it's an interesting future we're living in, Charlie. You know, more and more compute power. I, I marvel when I write the column every week at how much stuff is going on. I mean, you know, I've been doing this column since 2017 and, you know, there's always a ton of XR news, but it really has accelerated, um, you know, in the past year. Uh, you're just seeing, you know, a lot more happen. Obviously, you know, it's part of the success that Meta has had with yeah. Quest. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who's coming in to compete with the Quest. Uh, you know, perhaps it'll be Valve uh sony possibly although those tethered headsets to me are are challenging because yeah we talked about that a couple of weeks ago i yeah. i i have you know my, my prediction is that they have to have a solve for that whether it's a first party or third party solve um i think we have moved past like it's like very few people use crts for computing these days right we have moved past the crt era yeah and we're into the wireless era at the same time, the experience of VR is so much better with the PC. Yes. You know, your ability to generate um, moving images uh, in AR is greatly aided by a PC, right? That's the way Tilt 5 is going to work. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, somehow the computing power of the PC has to get into our mobile headsets, well, and that's what our friends at Qualcomm are working on, right? And and continue to keep working and understanding that people want more and more power where their physical body is, uh, and not you know. Although when we go back to this idea of the the cloud, you know, and, and the the mobile compute, it's just the wireless connection to that. It's just the wire itself that becomes the the holdup. I well, think. Speaking of the cloud and um, WebXR, our next guests are. Our friends Eric Murphy Tutorian, the founder and CTO of Eighth Wall, and mm -hmm. our old friend, acquaintance, and colleague Tom Emrich, yes, uh, who, who was part of Super Ori Inbar's Super Ventures. So he was a venture capitalist and he was the executive producer of AWE for many years. So he right. has always been regarded as a friend to all and a threat to none. He joined Eighth Wall, I guess, at this point over two years ago. 
uh, as their head of product. And those guys have been growing like crazy ever since. So we've invited them on the show to update us about browser-based VR, which is of course technology that is going to be critical um, to the industry going forward. It's a camera first company. Yeah, it should be a very interesting conversation. Those guys are, are finding all kinds of use cases, yeah. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Eric. Great to see you guys. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Charlie. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, we are we are tracking very closely what you guys are doing, and you're growing like weeds, which is very exciting. And you've got probably lots of things to tell us about, right? We saw we saw each other in the real uh, in that brief window at the end of October when we were at AWE mm-hmm. in Santa Clara. That was like a ma- magical little window of time where you can, you know, get out of the metaverse bubble and get into IRL. That was awesome. So yeah. it was good. Good to see everybody after um, being apart for two years. Uh, you guys were were talking about uh, what you call reality engine uh, at AWE. I would love to hear more about that and, um, you know, generally what's what's happening both with the company and and with uh, the WebXR trend. Sure. I mean, um, I'd love to talk about our metaversal deployment, uh, which we, we debuted in, in November at AWE. Uh, as you know, there are more devices that are being used by uh, consumers and users, uh, specifically headsets. Uh, and uh, so what we wanted to do is ensure that um, our developers would be able to reach those new devices with their web AR projects. Uh, uh, up until the, the launch of Metaversal Deployment, 8Wall's web AR was specifically optimized for smartphone AR. And so uh, a developer would create a project and launch it, and then that, that project uh, would be deployed to the mobile web browser. Um, in November, what we did is we opened that up so that a developer could build a web AR project once and deploy that through to smartphone uh, as an augmented reality experience, computers as a 3D experience, and then as AR on a HoloLens or VR on a, on a MetaQuest. And so it significantly increases the reach and scale while not increasing um, you know, the development time. Uh, and we feel like this is a big game changer and very much lends itself well to what is um, typically you know, expected on the web, um, a la you know, the responsiveness of the web and, and, and really the flexibility that the web brings to the table. Yeah, and, and, and maybe to add to that is that we, we've always wanted people to be able to build content and technology and then have it work on these types of immersive devices. We have you know, billions of cell phones in market. We have headsets that are available today for VR, available for AR, and we expect this to expand pretty dramatically. Um, but we don't want our developers thinking about each of these form factors and how to handle you know, building something that's gonna work with controllers or with hands or with a mouse or with, you know, with taps and gestures. And so we you know, took a look at what we historically called our AR engine, which is our you know, technology, which allows AR to run on all different types of phones and all different types of browsers. Um, and we you know, kind of ripped it apart and reassembled it with a whole new set of parts that also allows it to work on desktop computers and also on AR and VR headsets. And you know, when we were coming out with this, we're like, well, we can't call this an AR engine if it's you know, you know, working in a VR headset. So let's call this you know, Eighth Wall's reality engine. 
And that's the way we'd kind of build it at launch. And actually we recently shortened it to just eighth walls engine or eighth, the eighth wall engine, which now allows you know, development to work on all of these types of devices. Mm -hmm. and, and as Tom mentioned, we call that metaversal deployment, which is really this concept of build once, run across form factors. Um, which is, you know, very fundamentally different to kind of build once run anywhere in the sense that it was just like code executing on different types of computers. But this is really like, you can build something that'll work when you tap a mobile phone and it will transparently work for you as well when you're, you know, using your hand gestures inside of a you know, HoloLens. I think the one thing to add on to that is like, um, you know, Metaverse is top of mind for a lot of people. Uh, and in, in, in our view, in, uh, users are going to experience metaversal experiences on a variety of, of devices. And while headsets will continue to grow in adoption, the expectation is that uh, a user will have a, a myriad of devices that they will continue to use, as we've already seen today, computers, you know, smart TVs, tablets, um, and then AR and VR headsets. And so uh, the ability to hit, you know, a, a domain or, or a URL and be able to get an optimized result uh, for that device um, is what we feel is a, a major part of the future. So, so I have a couple of questions on that. As you mentioned, this idea of uh, building something for a mobile environment and then this ease of transferability into a virtual reality or mixed reality headset. Um, would you say that's at a, at a level of practicality or more a concept that you're working on in the future? Like if I was a, a developer for a big corporation and I was you know, engaging you guys to do stuff and I said, well, clearly I need to get this on everybody's mobile phone as an AR experience, but there's a lot of interest. We're doing an influencer event. We want to show it off in, mm -hmm. in a HoloLens or a new Magic mm -hmm. Leap or whatever's coming. Mm -hmm. How is the, the reality of that, of like build it for this and then it just kind of magically migrates over correctly with all the right geography and all the right stuff? Is it hard? Is it easy? Is it is it is, it, is that a real thing or is that just something you're you're pursuing? This was launched last year in November and announced at Augmented World Expo. Yep. Um, you know, instantly people who have been building for web-based AR and mobile phones you know, a large swath of, I mean, anything, I guess that was a world effect that was taking place in, you know, in space, not a, not a face effect, um, was instantly upgraded to VR and AR headset support. And we allow our developers to opt into desktop support since that was, a, you know, fundamentally, some of them had built out custom desktop experiences in advance and we wanted to make sure that was, they had some flexibility there. And so you, you get AR, VR and desktop headsets for free with desktop requiring, you know, a single flag. Um, and then from there, you can do any kind of additional customization that you want. But what that means is if you designed for tap gestures and touches on a screen, you mm -hmm. will have support for mice, keypads, game controllers, hand controllers, and VR controllers. And all of these will do the things that you were expecting to see with touch and tap. Yeah, I, I, it was a bit of a leading question, but I think it's such a big deal that I really wanted you to explain that to the listeners of <laughs> how this works, because it's a little <laughs> bit hard to grasp if you're not really understanding. Like if I build it here, how the hell does it just work over there? But you've done a lot of work with your APIs and underneath the covers to actually allow that to work, right? Yep, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And if anybody's listening wants to try this out, like the output from it, 
you know, going to summitscramble.com uh, and, and using that in your quest or your phone or your computer, you'll, you'll actually be able to play that multiplayer game cross-platform. And in fact, you can play that game, you know, one player on a phone, one player on a computer, one player on a HoloLens, one player in a quest. And, and again, like just thinking through what this future is going to look like as it unfolds, that, that's going to be the reality of it. People are going to have different devices, but they're going to want to do things together. Um, and th this really unlocks that. And, you know, some of the big tech giants have, have talked and sort of sent little leading indicators about the end of the smartphone era or the, the evolution of the smartphone. Are you guys believers in that, that um, we're going to migrate more towards headworn, which is still quite exotic right now? Uh, and, and a much smaller subset of the of the, the the smartphone holdable computer market. But do you have a do you have a belief thesis, and do you have a time frame that people should be thinking about as yeah. they start to start to kind of grasp this? I'm, I'm going to defer time frame and timeline to Tom, who really knows this better than me. But uh, in terms of you know where I'm thinking, you know today my mobile phone is my primary device, right. but I do a lot of work on a laptop. I'm I'm doing the Zoom on my laptop today. And these two pieces of technology exist in my life. Uh, I mean, I have a VR headset as well. I use it, you know, certainly for various types of experiences. But you know, today I have this expectation that the same tools and technology I use on my phone are available on my computer. They may have different input devices, and you know, laptops better for typing, phone is better for kind of browsing and, um, and flexibility. But I think that's where we're headed with headsets. Is that we're going to have this world where headsets are very capable. They will be used for certain aspects of your technology lifestyle and so will phones for a very long time um, laptops probably as well and that we're going to blur the lines between these and just the expectation from consumers is that i want to go do this thing i'm going to grab one of my three or four types of devices use that for the purpose that's best and we'll start to see these things migrate uh, yeah I, I think you stated that very well i think charlie and i agree with that thesis as it it's an add to the arsenal. It's not a change of the arsenal. It's you're going to add like, you know, we as early adopters have added more devices into our daily use case, our daily world. Right. Uh, and we're kind of always looking for that moment where it's like, oh, I can kind of do this on pretty much anything I've got and it's going to actually have functionality and then I'll make a preference choice because it is more of an immersive or spatial experience that I'll pop on a Quest or I'll pop on a HoloLens or, or some of my prototype devices that we're testing uh, and see how it looks in there. And we think that's gonna become mainstream user behavior. And that's kind of when certain things fall off a little bit and other things sort of take over a little bit, but it's not like it's a wholesale change or replacement. You would just add it in. Yeah, think, go ahead, Tom. No, uh, well, I was going to say, in fact, I think we're going to see the strength, uh, the smartphone be strengthened by headsets and glasses mm -hmm. um, first before we start to see, you know, the smartphone potentially move, you know, into a, a, a secondary category of use. Um, and, and you know, I, I was talking about this yesterday, but the, the glasses space in particular, if we just look at augmented reality glasses, um, like we've already begun this journey in starting to see, you know, initial connected, I'm going to use the word connected eyewear options for uh, consumers. And I think over the course of, of um, you know, the next five years, um, at least, we're going to see a variety of different types of connected eyewear, some that just do video, some that do AR. 
um, some that are just living room devices. Uh, and so there's not just going to be one a type of uh, augmented reality eyewear available to folks, and they're all going to try to optimize for different use cases and try to resonate with users um, based on that use case. Uh, I think the living room device seems to be the most um, uh, immediate um, uh, in, in terms of the time frame. We're already hearing a lot of rumors and reports on mixed reality where a virtual reality device can do augmented reality through video pass-through. Quest became a device like this. It, in my mind, that seems like a, an immediate opportunity. It's also quite exciting think because- Quest the 3 will have much better cameras that right now they were created for hand tracking yeah 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 they they traded off you know obviously that was one of the trade-offs they made was you know the minimal viable hand tracking that they could put up there but you know now that they have another purpose for it i would expect the cameras to get much better it feels like the experimental pastor api was just to get the developers started early that's kind of what it felt like mm -hmm. and and also kind of to, you know possibly show show that the Quest can, can be an augmented reality device. That was really important. Uh, you know, we've already heard from Meta that Project Cambria is expected to be their AR VR device. Um, you know, we don't necessarily have a, you know, a date or any further specs, um, but I, I suspect that video pass-through will be the predominant way that uh, consumers experience augmented reality via a headset. Uh, and what's great about that is that the entire mobile AR ecosystem has been, you know, working in a very similar fashion. Yeah. And so that really sets up exactly, exactly. So we're, we're we're very excited about that. That could very be excited. could be very very good news for Snap. Yeah. Well, and to your to your point, there's this staging event where we're seeing these low cost, uh, you know, pass through um, AR headsets or mixed reality headsets that are effectively external viewers that connect to your smartphone, right? And that's this sort of interim step. They're using the power of the puck of the little mm -hmm. computer you keep in your pocket and saying, well, instead of holding it, what if we kind of you know split the load and wired or eventually wireless, you're gonna get to, I use it up here, but and then, and then eventually we'll, that'll be a vestige of another age, right? It'll just, the, the puck as the smartphone will start to go away and go away and then we'll just have it all up here. And that's all, that's to me as a, as a 10 year sort of journey, right? That we're, that we're on now. Which I yeah, imagine. I agree. Yeah. So what is your take generally guys on the, the metaverse fever that has swept up the industry since uh, the chain <laughs> Facebook changed its name at the end of October? I, I mean, I, you know, from my perspective that it's, you know, it really has helped this industry get kind of the mainstream support that it had been, you know, kind of seeking and aiming for over the last few years. I mean, you know, I think AR always, you know, go back five years, there was this big interest in AR VR, then there was sort of the trough of disillusionment. And then you started to see companies that are really succeeding in the space, growing products, you know, on the VR side, we've seen it really reach a level of maturity where there are AAA games coming out and you know, people are spending more time here. And then, you know, this announcement by Zuck with regards to the metaverse, I mean, I think it really helped solidify that this is coming, this is going to be a big deal. You know, you as a company, regardless of where you are in your business, you know, this may be as disruptive as the internet was for you down the road. And so you need a metaverse strategy. Um, you need to understand, you know, how is your product going to work in a 3D immersive world? Which of these, you know, products and platforms and technologies are going to be important to your business? And I think the, 
people are asking those questions now. And in a few years from now, they'll know the answers to those questions and it'll be a lot clearer. Yeah. But I think ultimately it's gotten the right people asking questions today. And we've, we're seeing that in all levels of business. And, and you guys have a, like a wide swath of clients, right? Well-known companies that are coming to you to help asking you to solve those problems for them, right? Do you want to call out some of the like interesting success cases that the listeners would say, oh, I'll go check out the website. I'll go check out this app. I'll check that out. Is there anything that you're particularly proud of on some of the work that you've done that is sort of talking about what you just referred to as, you know, large companies trying to figure out what their strategy is and going to you to say, help us? Sure, I can talk to um, uh, some examples. In fact, if you're looking for um, a, a ton of examples of what's happening in the browser for augmented reality, going to our discovery hub at apolcom slash discovers, we have like over 200 projects there that have been featured by our agency and creative development studios. Uh, so, you know, Eighth Wall is a set of tools, powerful set of tools. Our, our agencies and creative development studios are working with brands uh, to really leverage the browser for augmented reality. Um, there's so many examples that come to mind. I'm going to maybe talk about two. One is, you know, Pizza Hut did a fantastic campaign with image target technology, using our image target technology by bringing to life the top of a pizza box and turning it into a 3D Pac-Man game um, in their nostalgia campaign. Because if you recall, I recall when you went to Pizza Hut and you actually sat down and ate there, there were always Pac-Man, you know, consoles there. Yeah. Um, so there's been a lot of talk about metaverse. Immediately, your mind sometimes goes to the virtual worlds with metaverse. But on the flip side, you know, there, there's also been um, some discussion, important discussion around the real world metaverse and how there will be a digital layer on top of the physical world. And I think that is a really good example where, you know, users and consumers um, they, they get an, an ordinary, what seems like an ordinary pizza box and that pizza box turns into a game console. This, this in my mind will become like a regular occurrence uh, for you know, packaging and product. And so uh, that was definitely a really exciting um, experience created by Tool of North America. Uh, and then you know, just thinking about um, uh, the, the, the evolution of online, especially in e-commerce where there's a lot of activity. You know, Saatchi Art right now, is is um, is allowing users to view in their room over one million works of art uh, in, in uh, using web-based augmented reality. It's the largest production-grade deployment of web-based augmented reality, um, and they've indicated that um, the consumers that actually use this view in my room web AR feature um, spend on average seventeen percent more than those that don't, and are four times more likely to purchase. So, not only are we seeing really exciting implementation. Um, but we're also hearing demonstrable you know, ROI across the marketing funnel, including bottom of funnel, which is really important. I think that's, that's something to hit home on. It, it is exciting. We are moving into the future, but this is also moving the needle for your business. And I think we, we need to raise up those stories as well. Well, it was great having you guys on the show. We're, we're running out of time. <laughs> that sounds like a, it is a very exciting time uh, for Eighth Wall. I think as you know, everyone has started to realize the friction of having you download an app for one-time use in a certain business is just too great. But every every phone has a camera, every phone has a browser. And mm -hmm. by making that browser into a 3D screen uh, with all the capabilities that you would have in an app uh, is an idea whose time has come. Uh, you know, we have fewer and fewer apps, in fact, because of it. So, Thank you for that. 
have a great weekend, you guys. Thanks for coming. We'll definitely have you back again. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Sure. Keep us posted on the success stories and the growth, and uh, we're excited to track along. And uh, thanks for everybody that's listening. Uh, we'll see you again and talk to you again next week. Have a great awesome. week. Thank, Thank you. you.